You alone, Father, you alone, you alone are our hope. You alone are our comfort in this time. You alone are our peace. Jesus, you alone were there in the beginning and you can see the end and you're right here right now in this present moment. And so Jesus, you alone get our worship. You alone get our praise. You alone get all of our adoration right now. We need you, Lord. We need your peace. We need your kindness. We need your goodness. We need you. We need you. We worship you. We honor you. We lift you up with all that we are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, hello and welcome to the Gathering Church at Home today. You know, I know that maybe this whole thing feels a little bit strange to you. Maybe the idea of engaging with worship on a screen seems crazy. Maybe the idea of engaging with your church on a screen just seems crazy. Let me encourage you with this. While I believe that worshiping and gathering together with people in person is infinitely better, that the Holy Spirit is just as present in this service as He is in a live service. See, I believe that worship is how we fight our fears in this season. I believe you should be worshiping at home every single day, now more than ever, that worship should be a regular part of your language. It should be the most important thing that you're doing to meet the day right now. And I believe that worship, worship, when we're together like this, united across homes and, and places all over our city and our counties and the world, I believe that being united in this moment of worship on Sunday morning is so important. Here's what I would recommend as, as, as you and your family go through this season. Engage in worship. Engage in a Sabbath. Maybe it's time for you to bring some ancient practices into your home. Maybe it's time to bring the ancient practice of Sabbath in your home. You could adapt some things that are some fun traditions that I do believe can make your whole spiritual walk a little bit better in this time. So maybe for you that means just preparing your children. Maybe on Saturday you get all the work done, all the chores done, all the projects done all around the house so that at sundown on Saturday night you can light a candle with your kids and say this means that for the next 24 hours we are in Sabbath. We rest in our Father in Heaven because we've done all we can and we're confident that he's got what happens from here. Wake up and have a breakfast together. Maybe pray with your children when you wake up. Or pray with your spouse. Or, or pray when you wake up on Sunday morning. And then meet us here at 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. to worship together. And engage in that worship. I encourage you to sing out loud. Because the only person who needs to hear it is the one you're singing to. And so sing to him. Engage with the message. And then... Spend the rest of the day resting however you rest and finish up by coming around a meal together, gathering with people that you love and talking about how good the Father has been to you in that day. Now is the time to let some ancient spiritual practices come into your life that I believe will continue to bless you once this season has passed. I cannot wait to be back together in person worshiping. I believe it's going to sound like heaven in that auditorium. 
But today I'm grateful for technology. I'm grateful for our incredible production team here at the Gathering Church who is making this possible even right now. They've been working so hard at this. I'm so grateful for your generosity that makes all of this possible. And I'm grateful for the Holy Spirit who is able to move here in this room that I'm standing in and there in the room that you are standing in at the same time. Same spirit, same place. Church is happening in more places today across our country than ever before. Last Sunday, we had over a thousand people join us here online for more than 70% of our service. On an average Sunday, we have around 400 people in attendance. God is building His church, and the powers of hell cannot stop it or slow it down. What is happening right now is not the end of the church. In fact, I believe it is the beginning of a moment of revival here in our city and in our country and in the entire world. And I'm so excited for what is coming. Today I want to share a quick word of encouragement related to what's going on in the world. You see, what is happening right now has happened before. And what's happening right now has not surprised God. The church in the first century saw a plague that killed an estimated 5,000 people per day in the Roman Empire. And yet the church persisted. In fact, it thrived. It thrived because a crisis gives the world the opportunity to see what the church is made of. During this crisis, the idea of hospitals first came to life at the hands of the church. While most people left the infected for dead, it was the church that offered care and compassion in their time of need. I believe the church will grow and thrive in this season and God will use His people as a light in a constantly darkening world. So with that in mind, this morning I just want to share one passage of Scripture with you and walk through what it means for us right now. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6-11, through 11, it says this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that He may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on Him, because He cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you've suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong and firm and steadfast. So to Him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Let's break it down for a minute. First, I want us to learn that God is big and I am small. God is big and I am small. Humble yourself, therefore, it says, under God's mighty hand that He may lift you up in due time. I think sometimes we get a little bit cocky about our ability to handle things ourselves. We think, I got this. I got this life. I've got my future, I've got my plans, I've got it taken care of. I can navigate life's questions on my own. We place our safety and our security in ourselves and in things like money or power or position. And we feel like we can create our own happiness. And we think we're in control. You know, I was in the Coast Guard for a few years and I spent some of those years on a ship. And while I was on that ship, I realized something about the sea. When it is calm, the sailor has the illusion that he is the one who controls the sea. 
He uses his rudder and his engines and makes his ship go wherever he wants it to go. And to the sailor, it feels like he is the one controlling the sea in those moments. But all it takes is one storm for the sailor to realize that none of this was ever true. The sea gives an illusion of control when it is calm, but under stormy conditions, the sailor has to go with the direction of the seas in order to stay afloat. The sailor controls the ship, but it is God who controls the sea. When all is calm in our lives, we get it in our heads that we are in control of our lives. But as soon as a storm like the one we are in right now comes around, we can see very clearly how little we actually have control over. We need to learn from this season. Trust in the Lord your God and lean not on your own understanding. He is good. He is faithful. He's seen the beginning and the end. It's time to stop trying to control your life and it is time to release your control to the only one who's ever had it, your Father in heaven. See, I think right now is a great time for us as people, as a church even, to humble ourselves, even to learn what it means and what it doesn't mean to be humble. See, humility isn't thinking less of ourselves. Humility is thinking of ourselves less. I know that for me, I, I, I often think I can handle things on my own, and that is a manner of pride. It's time for me to humble myself under God's mighty hand and trust Him with everything, every part of my life, every part of my future, and everything that I am. I believe that in humility, we need to lean into prayer and worship and the Holy Spirit more than just our own ability to get by. Seasons will come and go where we can see that we're not in control of everything. If you rely on yourself and those seasons come, you're going to be overwhelmed with stress and anxiety and fear. But if you learn to rely on God, no matter what is happening in the world around you, then you get to have a peace that surpasses all understanding. The second thing for us to learn is don't be afraid. So it says here in 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. I know it's been a scary time. I've been afraid. I felt nervous. My, 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 my heart has, has, has sank a number of times over this past week. Sports, school, all organized events canceled or postponed. Church moved to online formats. Grocery stores are stripped bare. The media is in a frenzy. Our economy is falling apart. I get it. I felt it. On Monday morning, I was driving into work, and I just kept thinking about all the possibilities and all the work that had to be done and, and all the things that I couldn't do and, and what would happen if I got sick. And I, I just, it just kept spinning and spinning and spinning. And by the time I got to work, I felt like I was going to throw up. It was all right here in my stomach, and I got out of the car, and I kind of stumbled into the office, not really knowing what to do next, and, and then I knew what I needed to do next. I went into my office, and I closed the door, and I turned on some worship. I went, I went and listened to a new song by Brandon Lake in Elevation Worship called Graves into Gardens, and I just, well, I just let God have it. 
I laid it all down at his feet. I started to worship him. I started to pray. I just started to get in his presence. I let his Holy Spirit lift me up. I felt so small when I started, but the more that I began to worship, the bigger my God got. And I just knew, I knew that I didn't have to feel that afraid anymore. And neither do you. Worship unites us with the Holy Spirit in a very special way. See, one day all this sickness and pain and uncertainty is going to pass away. And God is going to rebuild the earth and set up His perfect kingdom right here in this place. And do you know what we will do on that day? We'll worship. When you worship in this broken world, you're connecting yourself to the one who made you, who is perfect and good in every season. And you are connected to that perfect day that is coming. And the peace that that will bring. If you're not sure how to cast your anxieties on Him, the answer is worship and prayer. Worship and prayer. Both together and alone. If you're married, pray with your spouse. Or pray with your children. Worship and pray with your kids. Hop on the phone or a video chat with a friend. And pray for one another and encourage one another. And pray and worship on your own, alone. Make it a priority every day. If you've never done that before, now is the time to start. It says in Psalm 34, verse 17 through 19. I read this on Monday when I was feeling so anxious. It says, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. And he delivers them from all their troubles. You've got to tell God what you're afraid of. Name it. Say it out loud and you'll take away some of its power. Tell God about your doubts and your fears. He can take it. He's big enough for all your anger, your doubts, your fears, your vulnerability. Lay it in front of Him. Say it and give it to Him. Trust Him with it. And when you do, He offers you freedom in return. It says He delivers them from all their troubles. Let Him deliver you. He cares for you. Verse 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and He saves those who are crushed in spirit. God didn't give us a spirit of fear but one of power and of love and of a sound mind. He doesn't want us to be broken or crushed in our fear. The devil wants you to believe when you're afraid, you are alone. But when you are afraid, God is drawing closer to you than ever before. This is the nature of God. He is not absent in this mess. He's closer than ever. He's leaning in. He offers comfort, peace. He's kind. He's good. It says in verse 19, the righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers them from them, delivers him from them all. Nowhere in God's word does it say there won't be troubles. In fact, more than once, over and over, the Bible says there's going to be trouble in this world. The righteous person may have troubles. And no matter how good of a person you are, you might still get sick. Someone you love might get sick. You might be affected by the economy. It might happen. But I need you to know that God hears your prayers. And He draws near to your worship. And He offers healing. And He offers peace and comfort and provision. You've got to trust in Him. Throw your fears on Him and lean on Him. He can take it. Don't be afraid even in this season. Your God is big enough to carry you through it. The third thing is this. Keep a level head. It's so important to keep a level head in a season like the one we're in. Verse 8 says, Be alert and of sober mind. 
your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. In a crisis, the devil's most used weapon is irrational panic. Panic, anxiety, fear, and uncertainty drive a wedge in between us and God and keep us from being hope in a world in desperate need of it. There's a story in the Bible where John the Baptist, who is the cousin of Jesus, who has been telling people that Jesus was coming, who literally baptized Jesus and heard the voice of God as he did so, he was in prison awaiting execution and he became afraid. And the devil knows when we are afraid that he can start to take away our ability to keep a level head, to, to think clearly, to, to process things rationally. And so John starts to doubt whether or not Jesus ever really was the Messiah. In fact, he asked some of his followers to go find Jesus and ask, are you the Messiah? Are you the one we've been waiting for? And Jesus reassures him, I am. And, and I've got to tell you that if, if it can happen to John, it can happen to me. It's not, it's, it's okay if you've been afraid and if it's led you to some doubt or if it's led you to some panic or some irrationality. Understand, this has been a scary time. But you've got to be sober and have an alert mind and stand fast against the enemy's attacks. It's, we, we've got to take, it's so important to keep a level head throughout this moment that we're in. Yes, it's a serious pandemic. Yes, we need to take drastic measures to keep people safe. Fear isn't going to help you do that. We as a country are doing a lot to protect our most vulnerable people in communities, in our communities from this virus. But we as a church need to do what we can to protect those who are most vulnerable in our communities to depression and anxiety and addiction and isolation so that we, we can come alongside them in this season and be the church and be community. We need to be alert to the needs of others. Don't let boredom lead you down paths of addiction or sin. Use platforms like FaceTime or Zoom or Google Hangouts to still be in community. Our life groups are not canceled. They are still meeting. I met with my life group this week. It was amazing. You need to be in your life group. You need to still go to Freedom Group. You need to engage with somebody. If you're not in a life group, now's a great time to sign up for one. You don't even have to put pants on to go. You get to just go online. I'm telling you, you need somebody to be looking out for you right now. To protect you and help you to remain sober with an alert mind. Not to panic, not to be afraid, but to keep you moving forward in this season. This too will pass. So use wisdom. Resist temptation. Lean on accountability. Remember, this is a season. Fourth thing is this. Be a good neighbor. Oh, church, we're called to be good neighbors. you got to know that as followers of Jesus, we have got to be good neighbors. Now is the time to show people that church isn't a building. It's not a, it's not a facility. It's not a place. It's a people. It's all of us. Now is the time for us to be the church. Verse 9 says, resist him. Standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the whole world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. You are not alone. You may feel pretty alone. Maybe you've been in your house all alone. Or, or even worse, you've been in your house all week with just your kids. I know how it feels. But so is everyone else all over the world. This is the most united our planet has been in a very long time. 
Everyone is feeling the same things, asking the same things, wishing for the same things. Let this season be a season that gives us resolve in our unity. Now more than ever, the world needs the church to be so much more than a building. It's time for us to be the hands and feet of Jesus. There's a number of practical ways you can do that. First, just help somebody. Start with anyone you know who is in the vulnerable category for this virus. If you have elderly neighbors or family in town that you can go get some shopping done for and drop it off on their porch or, or go pick up their prescriptions or, or FaceTime them and offer them some comfort and, and just a little bit of company or, or, or whatever it is, find out how you can help. If you have someone in your life group that is vulnerable, help them. Just this week, one of our life groups found out that there was a member of their group who was in that vulnerable category, who was afraid to go out, who was being smart not to leave their home, but they were out of groceries. And so as soon as this life group find out about it, found out about it, they said, how can we help? And they went and got as many groceries as they could and put them in the front porch of that person's home so they could be cared for and provided for in this season. That's what the church does. Go help somebody. Be the church. Second, intercede in prayer. Prayer is powerful. And our world is in great need of it. So when you pray, don't just bring God your requests. Intercede for others. Pray for the leaders of our country and our city. They're making unprecedented decisions right now and it's hard. So pray for wisdom and discernment and confidence. Pray for your church leaders. We are trying to care for people's souls in this moment and we're in uncharted territory it's tough pray for us pray for the sick for healing and for health and for provision pray for the doctors and nurses who are on the front lines of this pray for people who don't know jesus in this season of hopelessness that this would be the moment that points them to the one true source of hope as a church i think we should commit to partner together in prayer it says in second timothy 1 7 that God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Would you do something with me? Would you, would you take part in something with me? How about if we all set an alarm for 2.17 p.m. every day, Eastern time, and at 2.17 when that alarm goes off, would you just take a moment to be united with your whole church in prayer? Could we just take a moment to unite together in prayer to pray for hope, to pray for courage, to pray for confidence, to pray for the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, to pray for the love of the church and a sound mind for our friends and family and our community during this moment. Let's do that together. Let's set an alarm. Let's be united in prayer at 2.17 p.m. every day. There's this wild story in number 16. The Israelites are wandering through the desert and they decide to rise up against Aaron and Moses, so God sends this plague to stop them. And Aaron and Moses intercede in prayer on their behalf. And the imagery is stunning. Moses tells Aaron to get his incense and to run out into the crowd to intercede for them. In Numbers 16, 47 through 48, it says, Aaron did as Moses said, and he ran into the midst of the assembly. And the plague had already started among the people, but Aaron offered the incense and made atonement for them. Listen to this. He stood between the living and the dead, and the plague stopped. Here's what you need to learn from this story. This is what the church does. 
When there is hopelessness and fear all around us, we don't withdraw and isolate and hide. We run out into the mess. We go before the living and the dead and intercede on their behalf. We get in between them so that there is now a bridge from death to life for them to follow. Not just to stop a plague, but to stop the plague of hopelessness in their hearts. Church, it's time to get on your knees for the people in your city, in your community, in our world who are on the wrong side of this plague. We stand between the living and the dead. And I believe it will stop. Now, more than ever, commit yourself to prayer. Here's the last thing I want you to see. God's got this. If we can do these things during this time, it says this in verse 10. And the God of all grace, who's called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you've suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. So to Him be the power forever and ever. Amen. I don't know what the future holds. Neither do you. No, but, but your Father in Heaven does. He has dreams for you still. He has a purpose for you still. All of this will pass and a better day will come. So be the church in this moment. Worship and pray and Sabbath and study His Word like you never have before. Trust that He will restore you in time. In 2 Corinthians 4.18 it says, We fix our eyes not on what is seen. What we can see is panic and fear and sickness and the world falling apart. But we fix our eyes on what is unseen. Unseen is hope. Unseen is peace. Unseen is the goodness of God. Unseen is the end of this, that, that a better day is coming. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. This too will pass. This is temporary. Keep your eyes fixed on Him. I'll leave you with this today. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just worship you today. God, if there's anybody watching right now who has been afraid and desperate for hope, who's tried to do it on their own, who's thought that they were in control, who's thought that they had this without you, if that's you and you're watching right now in your living room or wherever you are, hit your knees and say this prayer with me and I promise you, you'll be flooded with hope and with peace and the promise of a better tomorrow. Would you pray this prayer with me? Heavenly Father, forgive me for all my sin. Forgive me for trying to do this on my own. Forgive me for thinking that I was the one in control of the sea. God, I give everything that I am to you. I believe in you. I believe that you are good. I believe in the sacrifice you made for me. And I worship you. All that I am from this day forward is yours. And so in Jesus' name, amen.